Keep getting those pucks in deep, folks. Episode 19, Pucks in Deep Podcast, Adam and Josh. We're here, but, well, you're here, let's go. I'm here physically. But I'm not super here mentally. It's going to be a tough pod for me this week. Battling the flu right now, so stay away from me. Day to day, but still manages <laughs> to make a podcast appearance. Day to day, yeah, that's right. Not being put on the IR, but you can put me on your uh, IR plus yeah. in your fantasy lineup because I'm a game time decision. But uh, yeah, it was a tough day for me today. It kind of... Brings you back down to earth. Those moments when you when you actually get really sick, you know. And it's when you get really sick, and then you forget what it's like to feel normal. That's <laughs> when that feeling comes over you, and you're like, "Oh fuck, I'm real banged up here." That's actually a really good point because I've. It's probably been five or six hours since I was like physically, you know, sick, like ill. Um, but the entire afternoon, the early part of the afternoon, talking to you on this on the text message, trying to figure out if we were going to hammer out a pod tonight or not. I'm just weak. Like I can't even move. <laughs> like I got the fucking cat walking around and I'm talking to the cat, like asking for it to help me. And <laughs> <laughs> like, I try to lay next to it because it's comforting. It's an animal. I don't really like cats that much. I like this one, but like I'm trying to lay next to it because it's comforting and, and he's just an asshole. Cats in general. No are. sympathy for you. No, no sympathy whatsoever. Just give me my fucking food. Basically, is what he's always Watch asking me, me. Shit in a box. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> All right, so uh, yeah, episode nineteen. Uh, we're we're underway. Uh, probably going to be a, a bit of a shorter one. Um, we got lots to talk about. Obviously, the uh, Leafs pulling a, a bit of a blockbuster, uh, if you will. Let's go. So we'll we'll get right into that. But um, you know, follow us on Twitter once again. Uh, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, give our Twitter handles out there at uh, PuckPod. You can follow us on Twitter at Coleman42 and at Lesko Adam. Speaking of Twitter, uh, Lesko, I was listening back to some of our early episodes. And the reason why I was doing this is because we're approaching the 20 episode mark. At this point, certain things should absolutely be improving. So I wanted to, you know, listen to our early pods. And I think there was probably three pods in a row back maybe episodes like three to six or so where we told the listeners that your twitter feed was at, the wrong, the adam let's go yeah <laughs> <laughs> i laughed because i was like well that's definitely not his twitter handle but i remember that we said it or you had said it backwards or something and then the next week you were like listen i fucked up my twitter handle last week it's not adam let's go it's let's go adam and then uh, that at the end of that episode, we did it again. <laughs> and then the following week, <laughs> we yeah, I know. Adam, yeah, the Adam same episode, yeah. yeah well, so if you, I'm sure if people want to find me in the cesspool that is Twitter. Yeah, you that's can, right. You can Google me. We've, I'm out there. We've, we've definitely been nailing it uh, as, of, as of lately as far as getting our Twitter handles correct. So, yeah, throw us, uh, throw us a follow on the old Twitter sphere and, and join the discussion. Um, and speaking about discussion, let's go. Very important day today. Um, January 30th, it's uh, Bell Let's Talk Day. So I uh, wondered if you might have had any uh, interesting things to say about uh, about that. Let's go on an important day for mental health stigma. Well, it's a, fa- a fantastic campaign and it's it's grown exponentially every single year in the amount of money they raise. And actually this year, uh, Bell's actually, um, it seems every year actually, they're adding more ways that, uh, you can contribute to the effort to fundraise. Um, notably, this year they have some videos that they put out there um, just by watching, sharing, etc. You right. can uh, you can contribute to the effort. Um, it's also I was thinking about this kind of last year, and then again this year when it comes around. But it's also the probably one of the biggest and most impressive PR advertising slash cause campaigns I've ever seen, because not only 
as uh, have mass participation um, throughout uh, hockey, for example, and throughout Canada. Right. Um, but you even see it's been adopted. I think as of last year, it's really been plugged and adopted by Bell's rivals from Rogers. So on on air on Sportsnet, their personalities, um, they're you know they're plugging it just as much. So. I, I think it shows how brilliant this campaign is that it transcends competition essentially yeah, amongst so everyone two gets, of the largest media organizations in the country. And yeah. it's, it's because it's for a cause, but, but wow, man, like if you're bell and you think about the overall cost, 10 cents per, was it five cents? Sorry five for cents, like yeah. retweet, whatever it is. Right. Um, the cost for them to get this, this amount of exposure is, is unreal. Well, I mean, for, for just one day, like you say, the two media conglomerates and Rogers and bell, they jump in the same boat. They play nice. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, they jump in the same boat, and it's a Bell boat. It's not a Rogers boat. That's right. So, um, you know, obviously, you don't you don't want to lose sight of the important thing, which is you know the 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 openness, the transparency, the ability for those of us who don't struggle. Um, and you know, that's probably not a whole lot of people. I mean, everybody's got some problems in some way or another, some more severe than others. But you know, for those of us that don't really tend to believe that they struggle with mental issues, then it's our, you know, duty to allow our ears for listening and our shoulders for not necessarily crying on, but just, you know, being a bit of a rock for people that you might know uh, that struggle. But I did hear something earlier today. I was just kind of cruising through on Facebook and I, you know, saw someone post a big thing about how, you know, while it's a great uh, day, it's a great uh, campaign really at the end of the day it's almost nothing more than just fantastic advertising for bell and if you step back for a moment and look at it objectively that way it is kind of true i mean bell just absolutely takes off everybody's talking about bell today mm-hmm. it's all bell everything's bell so yeah. like while they are contributing and i'm not saying that they're doing this not taking away from it no, yeah not no at i'm all. not saying that but they're it, doing it's this brilliant and that's it's, brilliant. it's uh it's social marketing and it's very uh, it's marketing and operating your business with a conscience, which is is very conducive towards uh, what they say is marketing to millennials because people want to participate and give their money to companies that stand for more than just profit margins. Right, exactly. And so, I mean, 364 other days of the year, they're definitely looking for profit margins. That's right. But then on the 365th day, they're you know uh, approaching an important um, an important issue in in society, but they also are generating a lot of talk for for their own yeah and they get well, tons so. of positive free press and all all the power to them they fully deserve it this is a, like i said it's a genius brilliant marketing campaign and it, it you know mental illness is something that uh it's, it's something that's thankfully coming to the forefront and i think this campaign has a big role in that uh it's you know it's it's the invisible disability it's the invisible right. disease right so chances are you know someone who's affected by it and you yourself could wake up one day you know, not feeling yourself and, you know, have to go down that hole of exploring what's going on. I Mm -hmm. mean, and it's not something that you're necessarily self-aware. So uh, I just, I really love the awareness campaign because it takes, it takes, it takes a person to, or sometimes, you know, somebody influential to bring this into the conversation for someone maybe to look inward or look outward and um, be more aware of it uh, and, and notice uh, how common it might be mm-hmm. because some who are not affected might not ever consider uh, the impact it might have on themselves and family members or friends. Or those around them too. You just walk around and you think, hey, my life is fine. So who cares <laughs> really? Right. And I mean, sometimes uh, the way you carry yourself out in, out in society can can uh, you know be unfavorable for, for others and you don't mean anything by it. You're just being a happy-go-lucky person, but mm-hmm. unfortunately not everybody's that way. And I wanted to touch quickly uh, before we move on on something you talked about just a couple minutes ago. They're really expanding their horizons in terms of you know how they get this out there because I remember originally when this began and I believe what, what eight, eight yeah. or nine years yeah, ago? something like that, yeah. It's been going for a while. Originally, um, they uh, all they did was texting. It was every text, every text message that was sent. Now, of course, nine years ago, social media was not the animal that it is now. Um, it did exist. We did have uh, Facebook back then. I don't know if Twitter was around. Forgive me for not knowing that. Yeah, it was around, but it was sm- much it was smaller. Early. Yeah, it was early. Yeah. So um, originally, it was it was just text messages. And I remember I, I was a always a Rogers customer. So like 
I wasn't able to contribute and that kind of sucked. Like I would even text my friends who were bell, uh, you know, bell subscribers. And I guess that would be good because they would text me back and there's five cents. But I remember uh, feeling a little bit left out in the cold, not being able to participate. And now with more horizons, more avenues for us to be able to be involved, I can watch videos, I can, you know, share videos and, and, and contribute that way, which is very nice. Yeah, like I said, it's a great cause. They've made it really easy for you to participate. And, uh, you know, it's Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, Facebook, you name it, text messages, or watching the the advertisements that they've made to go along with the campaigns. Completely brilliant and full, support it fully. All right. Well, you know what else is completely brilliant and had my full support? Kyle Dubis. Kyle Dubis. In the house, just making a splash on the trade market. Do you think that's what he was doing when he got off the phone with Rob Blake? Just a couple trips, maybe a triple fist pump. Just like a fucking, either like a, you know, he's probably like a quiet fist pump kind of guy. Maybe. Or if he was alone and he had the ability to do so, or he was in front of his, you know, family members and he was comfortable. I'm thinking maybe a double tiger. Oh yeah. Like a double tiger, you know, like here we go. We're Sunday red. We just (laughs) eagled the 17th hole to take a one stroke lead. And now all we got to do is take that one stroke lead into the final hole and we'll see what happens so happen in yeah so for us we'll get back to the hockey get away from the golf analogy um it's um i think it's great let's go i think honestly let me let me start off with this let me preface with this i think this worked out phenomenally well for both teams now we won't know exactly how well it worked out for la for quite some time Mm -hmm. but the point of the matter is they're nowhere near it's time to reset. And I think this is an indicator for LA that that's the, the path they're choosing to go the on. Reset. They're, they're hitting the reset. They're hitting the reset button because, uh, you know, a Muslim is, uh, is one of their best defensemen. Yes. For sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and to, sh- uh, to show the, uh, the return coming back to the other side, um, I'm, one of the notes I made was that uh, it was great for the Leafs in that they did not give up a roster player. I think a lot of the speculation was a Kapanen or a Janssen was yeah. going to have to go back the other way. Uh, and that um, goes back to what you said about it working very well for both teams. It looks like LA got what they want in Futures and in that first rounder, and Toronto got what they want without upsetting the room. Well, that was my biggest thing. Like I was talking to, uh, with my uh, with my fiance about it because I was excited and I was just, she happened to be texting me at the time and I said, "Okay, hold the phone, baby. Fucking Leafs just made a huge trade." And she's like, "I don't care." And I'm like, "Yeah, I know, but I got to tell you about it." So she was just asking me about like why I was so excited. Is this like a great thing? Is he just such a great player? Did you lose anything? And I was like, "What a great question by you, like a non fan. Did you lose anything?" I said, "That was the most important part of the puzzle, was that we didn't disrupt the room." Actually, twofold. I'll go twofold. Number one, we didn't re- we didn't disrupt the room. Now, someone's going to become uh, a press box guy, but we're, we didn't send you know someone's someone's best friend, roommate, like away to another team and disrupt the room. The second part of the equation is that we did it early. We didn't wait until the actual trade deadline. So now. We've got Jake Muzzin coming in. It's a new guy. Now, I understand that he grew up a Leaf fan, blah, blah, blah. I'm not even really, I don't care about that. Like, it's great. It's great news. The Leafs have so many fans, let's go. Like, it's, it's, you're bound to find more players, especially those that come from Ontario, like Muzzin said. I'm an Ontario boy. I grew up cheering for the Leafs. So if we even remove the fact that he's a Leaf fan, I'm talking about a guy coming in to a new team there's going to be that new guy phase. Oh, hey, new guy. Like, you know, what are the lines? What are the rooms? Where are you sitting for dinner? Where are you sitting in the room? All that bullshit that's being taken care of now, basically, as soon as the calendar hits February versus if we would have waited until the trade deadline to make this move, all that shit would start when the calendar flipped to March. So for me, we get like a full extra month almost of this guy being integrated into the team dynamic. I know uh, Dubis mentioned that as well, and I thought uh, that's a great point about the timing in that you pull the trigger now. Clearly, the, the, the deal has been on the table for a while. Apparently, it dates back to Christmas when the negotiations began. Okay. Uh, so it's fantastic to get him in this early because it gets him acclimated. And I think even better during the Leafs' bye week, the Leafs don't play till Friday, he gets time to get up into Toronto, 
find somewhere to stay, yep. get his gear get up, his family go and meet, yep. some, meet the staff, meet the teammates, get a few get a few reps with the club. I know a lot of the guys are down in Cabo and stuff, boozing and getting hammered, but... Yeah, they can't be back till Thursday. It gives them, it gives them lots of time to get acclimated. And like you said, instead of squeezing out a trade at the last minute, the deadline where you got a guy for a month and he's making the adjustments when you're in that final playoff push. Instead, we have times for adjustments uh, prior to kind of crunch time, I guess, later in the year. There's time for tinkering. There's time for trying different pairings. Like, it's just, I think it's really great. And I I like your your point here in the prep, uh, Lesko, where you point out that we didn't have to give up either of our Swedish defensive prospects in uh, Rasmus Sandin, Sandin, and uh, Timmy Lilligren. That's excellent because I that was the other speculation is that if the Leafs have to give up for a defensive piece, it was going to cost one of their young prospect pieces, especially with a team like LA that's looking to rebuild and whatnot. Right. So this is a masterful move by Dubas, I feel, in not giving up their most precious uh, prospects coming down the pipeline. And I understand why they went the route of giving up a forward. Yeah, Dursey is a, a secondary prospect and had little chance of playing with the team anywhere in the next three to five years he's an overager too grunstrom's another guy who who got edged out by Moore in the depth chart and has uh you know given how set the kind of the forward lines are he doesn't really you don't really see a fit or an opportunity for him to play so i really liked how they were managed to hang on to the two swedish boys yeah i think so too i think one thing that gets lost in all the shuffle is people's actual opinions on said players because if you talk to, to a bunch of people five minutes before they learned about the trade, everybody on the anti-Leaf side would probably be saying things like, you know, Muzzin's a great D-man. Maybe he's not an uh, like an elite uh, number one guy, but he's like a top pairing type of D-man. Um, if he's not on your top pair, he's probably the best defenseman on your second pair, right? So like they would say those things, but then all of a sudden the Leafs acquire him and now he's a bum. Fucking bum. Oh yeah, right. And, and Carl Grundstrom's the next, the next yeah. big thing. And, yeah, and on and the jerseys, the next. And on big the other thing. side, on the other side, you would hear most. And I'm talking about Leaf fans. I've seen this from Leaf fans on social media. Leaf fans saying, "Well, you know, Jersey really just pretty much a, a question mark, and uh, Grundstrom probably never going to crack the lineup." When if you asked about those guys five minutes before the Muzzin trade, they probably would have been like, oh man, Jersey's probably going to crack the lineup next year. He's tearing it up and Grunstrom, like he's definitely going to be like. So like the, the, the hardcore knee jerk Leaf fan reaction, the emotional Leaf fan making the, making the over assessment and then the under, undersell to make it work for the Leafs. When I, when I think just objectively myself, I do agree with the Jersey question mark assessment. I Mm -hmm. I do. And the main reason why is because of the fact that he's an overager. It's not like he's 21 or 22, um, or excuse me, what is he? He, or he is 20. eh? He's a toss up basically whether or not he could make an impact or even play at the NHL level. Yeah, that's right. So, um, you know, what has he got? 11 points through eight games played for the Guelph Storm. So he is having a good season. Um, there is an opportunity for him to crack a lineup at some point, but it wasn't going to be soon Yeah. Uh, with, with the Toronto Maple Leafs, right? And then, of course, with Grunstrom, I think the same thing. Um, well, more, more of a more of a we don't really know quite yet. So. And, he, and his ceiling is considered to be a third-line player. So, it, yeah, and at that point, are you considered replacement level? Bottom six, maybe. And in this situation, I mean, he's the meat of the trade. Grunstrom and the first rounder are the meat of the trade because you have to give up something, right? Yeah. And for a top pairing or a top four defender, that's that's the price in this market. Uh, for a guy like for a guy like Muzzin coming in, and I and I thought there was a Sportsnet article actually. I only saw the headline, but it summed it up perfectly. And the headline was this trade checks all the boxes for Dubis. Whereas he didn't give up anything out of the roster. He didn't give up the Swedish prospects. The fact that Muzzin's contract has some term on it, which is something he had mentioned in a previous press conference. No, we're looking at we're not looking at rentals. So, and uh, something that I mentioned as well is that Muzzin's contract uh, expires at the same time that Patrick Marleau's contract will expire. So that will bring six million off the books, providing them an opportunity to sign him. Which would be so huge because you'd have to imagine that this new Jake means that old Jake is probably not that was going to be my next point is that. I, unfortunately, I think this this uh, spells the end of Jake Gardner, and I and I'm wondering, and we have no way of knowing this, but that Dubis might have 
had his conversations with his agent because apparently ch- uh, talks were ongoing. Uh, oh, like for might, a possible extension? Well, or? They, oh, yeah, possible extension or what it's going to cost to sign him come July 1st. And I yeah. think Dubas probably came to the conclusion that, that it's not happening. And uh, Muzzin at $4.5 has got to be one of the best value contracts oh, easily. throughout the league. Easily, and depending on how well he does for the Leafs uh, in these upcoming playoffs, the rest of this season in the playoffs, and then, of course, next year. I wonder if it might be a situation where Dubis might try and get ahead of this game and maybe lock Muzzin up before we get to that July. There's 1st. always a possibility of that as well, and uh, it would be interesting to see what they what they value him at. I think he's uh, he's in his prime right now. Is he 29 years old? So he's right in that window of you don't want to overpay for what they've done. You want to pay them what they're going to be worth to you in the next few years. Right now, and his value to the team yet to be seen because he hasn't played. But you have to assume that his value to the team is going to be high, considering he brings an element that n- he plays differently than all of the Leafs' defense. So when we acquired him at first, I go on to the, I go on, on Twitter and the Leafs Twitter is just ablaze in excitement and going through all the, you know, and the fancy stats. Okay, he's positive. His impact. Corsi. Yeah. His, well, <laughs> one notable thing was his impact on Doughty. Uh, uh, his impact with Doughty. His impact with the without Doughty okay. or Doughty with or without him. Yeah. How his had very positive impact playing with him. You automatically think it's going to be very complimentary to Riley, whether or not. Who plays the right side? I don't really give a shit. Whatever works best. But one thing I was wondering, I was like, you know, he's a pretty big guy. He's 6'3", you know, over 200 pounds. Like, does he crush guys? Baby. Oh, man, he destroys people. (laughs) And they are fucking clean hits. Clean hits. I was so stoked. I found it. I think it was the uh, shout out to the Flintor on Twitter. That guy puts out the best fucking gifts out there man there was a compilation he put out of him destroying guys and that got me really excited because like i said he plays different than any other player on the leafs defense currently and he has what none of those guys have and it's that physical presence that intimidating presence clearing out the front of the net smashing guys along the boards making you think twice about gaining the zone right that's it once you gain that blue line you got to keep your fucking head up with Jake Muzzin out there. I saw one clip. I'm sure you saw the same one. Let's go of Logan Couture tries to uh, dangle in between the two defensemen. Now, normally the play would just be to block his way. Uh, don't take an interference penalty, but just make sure that you don't get beat by the guy. Well, <laughs> Muzzin just jams on the brakes and puts everything forward right into just Couture. Owns him. himself in the guys. Owns him. And I mean, like, we're not talking about leaving your feet. Uh, we're not talking about. Head hunting, there's no contact to the head on the, on most of the replays that I saw. I say most because sometimes it, it is just unavoidable. Um, I think of the one where uh, I can't remember which Ottawa senator he crunched. Uh, he plastered some guy in the yeah, glass. Yeah, I yeah, saw that one. Just and you know smoked what? him. Don't care. Yeah, no. Don't care. Yeah, no. I can go for the sandpaper. And that's what's amazing because he, he satisfies two ends of the Leaf fan spectrum. The numbers guys who want to see the the zone exit wizard and the pr- plus Corsi and the guy who can break down plays in the defensive zone and make some contributions offensively. But then he satisfies guys like me who, who miss that that sandpaper, yeah. the, the physical play. That variable being, that we haven't had And in that many I've years. talked about repeatedly, which is considered one of my, uh, one of my main points about their weaknesses is being uh, too easy to play against. And I think he is a good answer to that. Well, what was the one uh, statistic I saw TSN put up on the board when I was watching SportsCenter? Uh, puck battles won. I didn't even know that that was a thing. Didn't know. I did not know that that was a thing. Um, he was, uh, I can't remember who was first, but he was second in the NHL uh, under the category of puck battles. Mm-hmm. So how many times per game... Uh, he wins a puck battle. I can't remember what the number was, but the whole point of the matter was was that he was up there with with the best uh, with the best in the league in terms of like like you said when two players go to the wall, you know the Leafs probably aren't winning that battle. And that's often been a problem because there's too much stick swinging and not enough yeah, physicality. We try and poke it out. We try and you know lift it off the window. Muzzin's yeah. more of a get the fuck out of my way. I'm going to get this puck and yeah. fire it out. Like He's a make force. sure it's out. A couple notable stats I'll throw out there as we wrap up the talk on Muzzin because there'll be lots to talk about him going forward. No doubt. Uh, he led the LA Kings in hits, block shots, and had a positive goal differential on a 
brutal last place. Team. Yeah, he's plus ten. Plus ten somehow. Figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have no idea how to figure that out. So good for him. Real excited to see him play for the Leafs, and uh, we'll see how it pans out. We'll be wearing former Leaf legend Connor Carrick, number eight. How about this former Leaf legend Aki Berg? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me you saw that picture of Aki Berg. Um, you probably haven't, but I'm going to show it to One you. One of the right worst now. deadline acquisitions. How ever. about how about this? Wow. That's Aki Berg now. Is that current? That's current. So for the listeners, he, <laughs> he is looking thick. <laughs> like, man, look how big he is there. And that beard doesn't help. No. You, <laughs> you, need, to, you need to shave that just for a slimming effect. But what I'm liking about this picture, though, is even though he's like huge, um, he's still in the hockey room. He's in the dressing room. Yeah, and he's I, wearing a CCM. Yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's we're staff for somebody. Not anybody in the, in the show, I don't think. But oh, I see. Okay. I remember hearing something about it. Anyway, uh, All-Star Berg. Weekend. Did you? What did you tune into? What did you watch? What did you think? Nothing. Nothing? Uh, you didn't watch one bit of it? No. I was uh, with the fiancé in Peterborough, and it was my birthday weekend. Happy um, birthday. Yeah. Happy belated. Thank you very much. Yeah, it was my birthday was the 24th, and I think that was a Thursday. And then, of course, the weekend was upon us, so I traveled down to Peterborough, and I caught a little bit of, of it on my phone. Um, but really I, I missed most of it. I, I did recap, of course. I didn't watch it live. Yeah. But I recapped and I, I, I saw the uh the Kendall Coyne uh fastest skater. That's probably the Wah. story of the weekend. Is she ever fast, man. Probably the Holy story of the weekend. Shit. You could just see her streaking down the ice and like so she posted uh fourteen point uh two six six which was less than a second off McDavid's winning time. And I think she ended up stacking up sixth or seventh overall. So for those of you who might have missed it, Kendall Coyne, Schofield, uh, U.S. gold medalist, uh, plays for the national U.S. women's team. Uh, she was invited by Nate McKinnon to take her his place in the fastest skater competition after he uh, ended up having to sit out, I guess, to, due to a bruised foot. Uh, she, she had a fantastic showing out there, and I thought it was a... It was a great gesture by the NHL to bring some of these women hockey players out there because they, he, uh, the NHL gave these women a platform that that they've never had. They don't have outside it, of yeah. the outside of the Olympics. They don't have that kind of audience, and that and so it really was. It was a really great opportunity to showcase their skills. They didn't disappoint, and I guess what that moves into next was the. What what I called the fake outrage about the Brianna Decker story was that uh, so she, if for those who might not have seen or you might have if you saw the cesspool on Twitter of, of people freaking the fuck out <laughs> about was. this, but that so she uh, she technically I guess or so some thought won the uh, the passing competition was it the elite passer competition right and over Drysidle over Drysidle and yeah. then somehow they were making Leon out to be the bad guy well what happened was <laughs> the, the NHL I guess like kind of re- reviewed it and they're like well actually like uh, this is wasn't quite accurate so and so which was kind of a bad move by the NHL optics wise because this was a PR win overall right yes, yes. to having the women there and and helping them grow their game. But all of a sudden, people start freaking out. You know, you got to pay her for winning the contest, so on and so forth. So the NHL made nice, and what they did was they honored them at the game on Saturday night, and they also announced at that point that they were going to donate 25k to a charity of the choice of all the women that did participate. Oh, okay, but so still, it wasn't directly to her. It was no, for, no, and so for the event. Of course, this generates the conversation about the issue in women's hockey and that they don't make enough money to to. To live essentially, they all have to have jobs, work odd hours because they're professional hockey players. Yeah, but, but don't that's not the enough. NHL's problem. It's not the NHL's problem, exactly. It's and not. I think that's why I'm saying I described it as fake outrage because the, the NHL did a great gesture. They didn't have to do that. They didn't have to donate money. They didn't have to have any of these women's in the skills competition, but they did. They did provide them with an outlet. And you know what? It goes back to. Uh, say the N- WNBA. The reason why they've been sustainable and successful is because they have one cohesive league that yes. the NBA props up. Yes. Okay. If they want, if the women's leagues want to form a partnership, they need to get their own house in order because right now there's two leagues, and the NHL is not going to prop up and support one league over another or both leagues. Yes. So I think there's. I don't know what's going on in terms of the executives of those leagues, but. Some, something needs to happen before the NHL can truly write a check, I think, and, and find a way to to help support. But it, 
and I, I'm sorry, I'm fucking getting ranty here, but Rant if you're away. if you're one of those fucking people out there who bitched and complained about them not paying Brianna Decker or not paying these women, whatever, I don't give a shit. You you you're upset about how much money they make. Go go to a fucking go game. to the games. Go to the games. Yeah. Look at their attendance. 150 people, 250 people show up to those games on a regular basis. Go buy some merch. Yeah. Okay. You want to support them? It's true. Go go put your money where your mouth it's true. is. True. And those the CWHL has some nice jerseys. Um, so you could, you could help out by buying some merch and that would, that would, that might even help more than going to the game because now you're wearing this merch out and about and someone's going to ask you what it's for. You're going to tell them it's for the whatever, whatever's, uh, in the CWHL and maybe create some buzz that way. But at the end of the day, there's no onus on the NHL to assist the growth of women's hockey. Like you say, it's on, it's on them to create a league that is sustainable yeah and entertaining for the average fan Mm -hmm. now i will tell you this and i'll go on the record as saying this and i might be pissing off a few people but i don't care i spent some time at cwhl games specifically the brampton thunder or whatever Mm -hmm. it was back in 2012 2013 and like i don't know how else to put this the games were bad right like the games are bad, and I'm not saying. Now is I'm that not saying of, is we're that fucking of, women. Is that because of the talent disparity? Well, is that because you have like all star Olympians and then like fringe ex university players? So here's or? the thing, though. The year I went was the year of the Olympics. Right. When the Olympics is on, they're out training. All the exactly. Good players. Okay, all okay. the Olympians are not there. Right. So the product now, suffers. I'm sure. Yes, you're right. The product does suffer. Now I'm, but I'm still gonna stick by my guns here, Lesko. Like if you're telling me that I went to a game, Brampton versus fucking Toronto. And there should have been three Olympians on the ice, two for Toronto and one for Brampton. And there wasn't. Okay, I get that. Like, I get that the game is not going to be as exciting without those three players. But they're only three players. Like, if there was 13 players between the two teams, now the game definitely suffers because the majority of the great player, like the majority of the players are great and now they're gone. But in this case, there was only a couple per team Right, because again, they didn't all play in the CWHL. Some of them play elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So the the games just they, they weren't good, and the main reason why they were not good, let's go, has nothing to do with the fact that they were women or the fact that they weren't as talented. It was one million percent on the fucking officiating. Oh, it really? was an absolute and utter fucking travesty. Really? Okay, like I was screaming at the fucking ref in the. Oh. You suck! You like, were one of the 100 people at the game screaming. Oh, I wow. thought they were going to kick me out at one point. <laughs> like, I mean, dude, we're talking like a uh, like a one of the girls would like, you know, chip the puck around the defenseman. And then literally just because of the speed of the play, like she would run and into the... Collision. Yeah, yeah, collision. Penalty. Defenseman. Two wow. minutes. Body checker. And, and she didn't even fucking body checker. She got skated into. I, I find that weird too because I've noticed that... Um, I've watched a lot of, I, I tend to watch as much as the, especially the Canada U.S. mashups uh, inside and outside the Olympics as oh, I can. De- definitely. those games are always unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable skill and display, speed, and they let them play, I've noticed. they Typically, they let them play. There's borderline hits that they get away with in physical play all the time, and I, I've always I've always loved it for that because I, despite being non-contact, I feel like there was enough... Um, there was enough leeway, leeway given to yeah. the players, so that's disappointing to hear that it was kind of an over officiated. Oh, oh my god, game. dude! Like I, I just I, I couldn't even I couldn't even I didn't even know how to like enjoy myself. It was just yeah. awful. Like it was just penalty after penalty. Um, and, and then you know it was all special teams, and that's no fun. Like yeah. let's get some fucking flow going. That's on That's no here. fun in the NHL either. So. No, no, it's not. No, so yeah, I mean to wrap that conversation about women's hockey up. Uh, good, good move by the NHL bringing it out there. Yeah, a little PR stumble. Okay, fine. Uh, it seems that they've kind of made amends. And you know who wasn't bitching about the all this? The players that actually participated. Yeah, they had. A they good were time. beyond thankful yeah. for the opportunity they were given, and it's led to. Uh, some great opportunities for them. I know it's led to some sponsorship opportunities for some of those girls. And it's also, uh, I know that CCM actually stepped up and pay, offered to pay Kendall uh, um, Coin Schofield the 25K that uh, everyone was up in arms, right. whatever. So good move on CCM, good move on the IHL. You know who did? Great for those women. You know who didn't enjoy it? Who? Clayton Keller. No? Because he's, he's the only one that she beat. 
Oh, <laughs> she beat Clayton Keller, right? So oh, now, right. so now it's not like, oh my God, she's so fast. Out of eleven uh, male skaters, she finished uh, sixth. Wow, that's great. So she beat a bunch of not just one guy. No, nah, she she beat you. She beat you, Clayton. <laughs> yeah, he probably got some chirps. Oh, he's getting yeah. some chirps, like in, in a lighthearted manner. Again, you know, we're twenty nineteen here, like yeah, we're, yeah. we're well past the sexism and stuff like that. But it's pretty funny. I'm joke, sure he got the gears. A only bit one guy that. got beat, yeah. and it was Clayton yeah. Keller. Listen, I wanted to mention you. You brought up. Um, you brought up McKinnon. Did you happen to catch Beauty uh, McKinnon just like throwing a dip in? Like, well, he was so, dipping all so game. Was he dipping with that Tim Hortons cup, or was <laughs> oh, he? Yeah. I, okay, so I wasn't sure if it was his spit cup or he was drinking. Because so he was mic'd up for the first part of the first game, and they were saying something, and somebody mentioned his cup, and he's like, so, "You hear some of the background, like, oh yeah, there's no coffee in there," and then they cut his mic. And then you didn't hear from McKinnon the rest of the game. Really? And that's why I wasn't sure. I was like, is he boozing? Like, what's going on? And I figured, you know, if he's having a drink, it wouldn't surprise me. He's not playing. No, he's just yeah, hanging out behind yeah, the bench. Cares? And he's on uh, Tim Hortons commercials. <laughs> yeah, so, so they were really, uh, it seemed that the uh, the producers and stuff were really on top of this because later on they had Eichel mic'd up during the game. Yeah. And it wasn't even, he didn't even make it through the first period. He was on the ice and he and he goes to sauce when he's like, and he. Shitty pass. He goes, ah, shit pass. And then boom, <laughs> mic off. Didn't hear from him the rest of the game. Okay. I heard some guys on Sirius Radio talking about that and how, like, it was funny. I've been saying this for years, dude. Like, I'm sure they probably have been too, but I've been saying this for years. I wish there was more ways that us fans could take the game in, as in, like, an 18-plus or PG-13 yeah, sort of. Yeah. You know, I'd pay so, money for that. I would pay money. We talked about this when we talked about uh, Road to the Winter Classic a few weeks ago, that yeah. I would pay good money just to have the raw on unedited experience yeah. of what's going on. In the I ice. always, I always liken it to Tiger Woods. I'm a big Tiger Woods fan. I, I, I enjoy watching golf, but I pretty much only tune in to the entire golf event when Tiger's there. Um, I, I would, I would pay probably way more than top dollar, whatever you want to call. It. I would pay above top dollar to get like a GoPro on Tiger Woods's caddy. Oh wow! With audio, and that's it. Like they don't have to look into the camera. They don't have to do fucking anything. He just mm-hmm. wears it all day, and I pay two hundred dollars for the weekend just for that stream. Just for that up. stream. Yeah. So I got I got my CBS feed over here, which shows Adam Scott and Justin Thomas and Rory McIlroy and all the other. But you golfers. got your dedicated Tiger feed Boom. in between holes. Everything. Non-stop, no uncut. commercials. Yeah, uncut. Yeah. I want to talk with. Uh, I want to talk with uh, the, the caddy. I don't know why he's fucking Joey Lacava. I want to talk with. I want to hear his talk with joey i i want to hear tiger ask joey for a fucking granola bar <laughs> give me a granola bar you know and then there's tiger eating it away and like, see him say like yeah i see that bitty over there by the 19th <laughs> hole or 18th yeah. hole yeah he's like tell her i'll meet her in the back of the club get that there. girl's number jo- joey yeah. tell her the ninth green at nine there <laughs> secret of the pros <laughs> oh boy yeah so one other note uh from the um the games themselves on the All Star Weekend they were pretty much brutal for the most part. Guys <laughs> looked like guys in those intros looked like deers in the headlight. Like they they were probably hungover as fuck. I and I know that's a common thing in the All Star Weekend, yeah. and I think that's maybe why they moved the game off Sunday onto Saturday, so they're not two coming Super off a two day yeah, a two day bender. Exactly, it's just they just went hard Friday and then get to go harder on Saturday after the game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the other notable thing was Matt Austin Matthews who actually. Might have got a little shook up from all the attention he got. He rips off his jersey, showing that he's wearing a Marlowe jersey. In San Jose. Gets the standing O from the San Jose fans, and turns out he's going to auction that off for charity as well. So, And then once the puck was down, he took 11 minutes to hit he all the targets. He was goddamn brutal at that, <laughs> eh? It was funny because I thought the same thing right away. I actually managed to get that up on my phone because I was following Twitter, and I wanted to see our guy uh, do his thing, right? So uh, Kirstie and I were watching it. And she was like, why is he so bad? <laughs> Quietly, you know, in, into my ear. Why is he so bad? Uh, What's going said, on well, here? I, said, I think it's, I, honestly, I think it's because like he, he's been all jacked up about like doing this thing, taking the jersey Well, I off, wonder if like, he, because uh, I would, I, I think he, he said he, he got a little rattled by the moment because yeah. they were cheering him so hard and all that. And he's like, oh, God, I still got to. Got to go up here and shoot. So. Like the ideal, the, the better scenario. And of course, it might not have turned out great if he didn't hit them all. But maybe the better scenario for Austin there would have been to fucking snipe, 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 snipe. That would have set the crowd and off. And then eh? 
And then oh, and then ripped off, the and then ripped the jersey off. But then, what if he doesn't snipe? I guess that's why he did it before, (laughs) so he didn't put himself at that risk. I guess that would have been pretty darn cool. Because like, whether he's Leafs or Sharks or Kings or anyone, like he's a premier talent in this league. Specifically speaking, his shot. Like I'm not talking about his overall game and how fucking fast he is and how he can pivot and skate backwards. He's got such a great. Uh, release yeah. and to see him bury those targets like that maybe before the Marlowe jersey would have been really unreal but now you're putting a lot of pressure you're on the putting guy putting way more pressure but was too much pressure I don't know what it was but didn't go well for him but you know, you know all-star games all fun doesn't mean shit at the end of the day yeah exactly uh, speaking of Matthews uh, just before the uh, all-star game uh, LeBron was reporting that uh, it's expected that Matthews contract could be done within a month which is, I mean, music to Myers as a as a diehard Leaf fan, and I'm sure many others. Um, now, this actually takes us back to an earlier podcast where we speculated on the term of the contract, and the speculation right now is that they're looking at a six-year deal. And I remember I gave you a bit of shit in an earlier episode when you were talking five de- five or six-year deal. Yeah. And I was like, no way, because me, the diehard fan, is like, no, lock him up for eight. I don't want even a sniff of anything. But with the way they, uh, LeBron explained it, which is very valid, is that uh, if they went the full term, the AAV would be too high. Higher, much higher. So at a, at a, uh, a lower term, it makes it um, more easy to work into the Leafs cap situation. You're looking at like a 8 times 13.25? Right. Or 5 or 6 at... 11. So, and the other interesting point I saw was uh, after a six-year deal, so say he signs a six-year deal, kicks in next year, at the end of that six-year deal, it lines up with the expiration of John Tavares' contract. So, that really puts the Leafs in an interesting situation, whereas they have a bunch of cap coming off the books and at the same time, so they can either Decisions. throw a, a shitload of uh, money at Matthews, who will be in his prime at 27, 28, and either give something to Severas if they want to keep him around for a few more years or have more money to throw elsewhere. Depending on who won more Conn Smythe trophies, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> if we're talking uh, generously. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one, man. The, the Matthews contract, um, I've been a big proponent over the fact that Austin Matthews marches to the beat of his own drum. And I think I said that in our in our recent pod, whenever it was, when we were talking about the contract speculation. That's my main reasoning for thinking that he will sign a shorter term deal. And now, of course, the LeBron article comes out, and it looks like six. And I remember LeBron. I think in that article as well, he did say that five isn't necessarily off the table either. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it years. sounds like six is, is what works best for the Leafs and him. Um, and I mean, if that works for him, good. And if it works for the Leafs, great. Because if it's a two way street and it's not somebody holding somebody hostage over term, that's the best case scenario. Um, and I and you know I think there's going to be a lot of freak out among fans and maybe and some chirps coming from the other side saying, well, yeah, he didn't sign long term because he doesn't want to be there long term. I think it has nothing to do with that. He's, he's looking out for himself, and he's given every indication that he wants to be there. And we may have forgotten that before all these young guys coming out of ELC uh, started getting these big max term max Eight money years, deals. Yeah. Just before that, guys like Patty Kane, Jonathan Taves, Crosby, Crosby Malkin, Malkin Giroux, Tavares signed five-year deals at reasonable money to see what they can in do in between their their ELC and their prime years. Yes, so that if they wanted to capitalize, they fully could, and if they wanted to re-up with their team, they could. So this provides flexibility for both the team and Matthews. If in fact this is the term we're looking at, I agree. I just I really think he's a pioneer. I, I feel like he's a pioneer, and I think the game is evolving. The game is moving towards a uh, like forward-thinking kind of thing uh, with younger, um, more go-getter types of GMs like Kyle Dubas, uh, Jacob Chikra. You could even throw in Steve Eiserman. I know he's a former player and everything. You, you but blended... Uh, John Chaka or, and Jacob Chick. Oh yeah, into, <laughs> yeah. into one name. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Actually, incredibly well. Eh? Yeah, was, did. What did I say? I uh, <laughs> John. Chikra? Chikra. Yeah. <laughs> like, actually sounds like a legit Jake, name. You call him Jacob Chikra. Yeah, Jacob Chikra. Okay, whatever. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, you know, we're seeing a bit of a forward-thinking movement uh, with younger, um, you know, the ability to, uh, not the ability, but the 
the preference to lean a little bit more on some analytics, things that we didn't have back in the day. The reason why we didn't have this happening is because we didn't have it available to us. Now we have all these resources. I think we're seeing a movement and it's going to trickle down and it's going to start with the players as well. And I think that after we saw McDavid sign his eight-year deal, basically sign his fucking life away to to the the evil, the devil, I guess. I don't know, <laughs> signed his soul away. Now he's stuck out there. I don't think that Matthews is necessarily afraid of that happening here in Toronto, but the point remains, the fact remains that he's looking out for himself. Yeah, because the cap is only projected to go up, so Matthews doesn't want to go five, six years down the road and be like, shit, I'm underpaid. I'm underpaid by five million. Tavares was in that same boat. Yes. He was, was and Tavares Cro- making $6.5 million. Crosby's deal at 8.7 yeah. all of a sudden became the most undervalued yeah. deal in the history of so the it NHL. Crea- it creates an opportunity. I think it's also a reflection of just the way the Leafs are operating these days. It's not just for today. It's not for tomorrow, but it's for the future. They're looking at building a sustainable model, and they're not just thinking about the next five years. They're thinking the next 10 years. Well, they want to know what their situation's going to look like. And just one more thing further to my, my uh, hypothesis here about the forward thinking Leafs are, again, at the top of that movement with hiring uh, Barb Underhill, a skating coach. So we tie this back into the women's movement as well, Lesko. Like, I just, I hate it because I'm a Leaf fan. I wish that, I wish that the Sens were doing this or something. And then I could talk objectively about another team without having people that I know personally be like, oh, you're just fucking jerking off over the Leafs. <laughs> like, I'm not. It's just, this is what we're doing, and it's phenomenal. I think Kyle Dubas is a goddamn genius, and uh, I'm really excited to see what, what we're, what we're, what we're going to have moving forward. One thing that does scare me a little bit, though, and it will continue to scare me until it's done, is the Mitch Marner deal. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the only one that's going to keep us at night throughout the, hopefully not throughout the summertime, but for a little bit of the off season. Because uh, for those who may not have heard, uh, he is uh, his agents made it clear that they're not going to talk in season, which is fine. I don't I don't take anything. No, I don't I take don't, offense yeah. to that or anything. No, and and that's just the way some guys want to operate. Yes, and, agreed. Uh, and agents know. too. I think it's more about an agent. Listen, man, I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to have to bother my fucking player. My client, sorry. Yeah. I don't want to have to bother my client during the season. Let him play fucking video games and build Legos yeah. and shit. Like <laughs> I'll talk to him later. We'll talk later about it. So yeah. I don't I don't really read into that. And too Mitch much. wants to play out the year. He's on the track for a career year, so it's only smart for him to do very that. true. Yeah, very true. Uh so you want to talk a little bit about uh one Patrick Line who seems to have gone really quiet in the last couple of months. Ice cold. Like it's cold outside right now. It's cold all over this region of Canada and probably other regions as well. Shit, it's, it's cold. Really cold in Winnipeg, like min- like north of minus 50. But I don't think any anyone's colder than Patrick Laine right now. Well, right now he had, oh, was it last night? He played under 11 minutes, which was a career low. He was stapled to the bench in the second period against the Bruins. Uh, I, I'm not sure, like, Zero shots. It, it's, been a, it's been two months coming off that, uh, what he had, uh, Five 18 goal- goals in... A month, which was nearly a record, including setting. the five goal game, right? Including the yeah. five goal game, correct. And since then, he's gone. He's gone unbelievably cold. Uh, there's been suggestions out there that maybe they get they give him a shot on that top line to get him going, but that top line has has never stumbled. So it's it's. I can understand why a coach doesn't want to break up that line, but it, it might come to a point where, in order to get him going, they've got to try everything, right? But we talked about this before we went to air, and my problem that I have with that is that the guy has been going in the past. What's what's changed all of a sudden that now? Oh well, we we better cater to this player, right? Right. We better cater to this player. <laughs> he hasn't needed that. He's been playing with Brian Little. He's been playing with uh, uh, Ehlers, Nick Ehlers. Yeah. Nick Ehlers. Right, I mean, the line has been a, a huge success just recently. Mm-hmm. Earlier this season, last one, I put this in the prep because I had to talk about it. I almost traded Mitch Marner for Patrick Laine straight mm-hmm. up. And the reason being was because I really needed goals and I was leading our league, our fantasy league, in assists by like 50. Like I was running away with the assists. Yeah. So I'm like, hey, well, I can just get rid of Mitch and pick up Laine and get all those goals. Holy man, am I ever glad I didn't do that. The guy has 34 fucking points right now. You know who has 35 points? Jeff Petrie. Wow, good for him. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff Petrie, whom I actually also have 
on that same team. So, <laughs> but like Jeff Petrie, Montreal Canadiens, D-man, 35 points. Patrick Laine, one of the elite, uh, you know, quote-unquote superstars in this Sniper, league. Sniper, yeah. Sniper drafted second overall. 34 points. Yeah, you got to you got to think and I haven't watched enough Jets hockey to to say a lot about his play, but I have got to say that I'm sure they're not overly worried about it and maybe this storyline slips under the radar and we talked about this last week that when the team's being successful, it it uh it covers it, up. it covers covers the warts, it distracts from from problems. So the good thing about the the Jets performance and and where they are at in the standings, it's not like their success is fully hinging on on Line's play. Uh, so they can be patient in order to get him going and that may explain why he hasn't seen a change of scenery and that Paul Maurice is essentially kicking him in the ass trying to get him going. One even strength goal in his last 18. That's to unreal. go to go along with one power play goal. Wow. I mean, the guy should at least be scoring on the power play. Let's go. Yeah, you got to think there's something else going on there, but I don't know enough to say. So, like I said, you you can only imagine that this is uh you know this is a trend that's not going to continue. But uh, hey, if you're looking for a buy low candidate in fantasy, yeah, you got one right there. Yeah, good, good, good point. But let me ask you one more thing here before we move on. I think we're going to be wrapping it up here soon. Let's go. I've battled. I've yeah, you're grinding out. You're doing good though. I gotta say, I had to mute my mic a couple of times. Yeah. This is like playoff type shit. Where like you, you know, you you just bite the bullet and you take the shot and get out there. I feel like I am biting a bullet, no doubt. Um, yeah, I wanted to bring up one more thing before we moved on. Uh, we're gonna do uh, just uh, after we wrap up this line A chit chat. I I only have just a, a couple notes. Uh, let's go on week seventeen for fantasy for our listeners that like hearing about that. Not too many notes, but. A um, couple good ones. But my last question for you is, what is this line A uh, thing, whatever you want to call it, cold stretch or whatever, what is this doing to his contract negotiations, which will begin on July 1st? You got to think it's going to hurt the numbers being put forward because we already know that Winnipeg Jets are going to be in a massive cap crunch, especially this offseason with the pending free agent list they have. Uh, They're in a similar situation to Toronto, whereas they've got a number of guys that they're going to have to re-up on. They're going to have to move some guys out to clear some space. So you got to think that they're going to be pinching every single penny. And the one thing I I, uh, learned recently about the Winnipeg Jets is that a lot of their star players have no bonuses. Little oh, to okay. no bonuses. I didn't they know do that. Not play that game apparently. Uh, and and Owners, a lot that's of an guys, ownership decision. And a lot right? of guys are on very team friendly deals, so they're going to squeeze him hard. And if he can't show a level of consistency, it's hard to go after that top dollar. I remember the conversations when he was tearing it up. What does Line A get? Ten million, eleven million, twelve million. Yeah, it's certainly not looking that way. It's not given the consistency we've seen you right know, now. You know who else has to get paid this summer? Kyle Connor. That's right. You know how many points Kyle Connor has this year? How many points? Forty in fifty games. All right. Like you know, Line A is just. He should be out outscoring Kyle Connor every day of the week. Now it brings it brings us back to your point. Connor plays with Shifley and Wheeler on that on that top line. So now that I'm looking at their lineups, and I mean, I, I kind of knew it in my mind, but I'm looking at it now on the screen, and I'm getting a bit of a better understanding here. Maybe I am on board with what you were saying, Lesko, about bumping that bumping line A up. Just switch him with Connor for a couple of games. Switch him with Connor for a for a road trip. You know, somewhere where he's not going to get harped on by the fans. And if you have a three-game road trip, you know, you go through Southern or California or whatever, like maybe throw Line A up with Shifley and Wheeler and just try and get him a couple. Just, just to try get and get him going. Back. And then, you know, you can put him wherever you want after that. But sometimes it's just getting him going. I mean, we saw that with uh, what the Leafs did before the break. I mean, they put, they put Mitch and Matthews together, and it's just to try and generate something uh, to kind of get the monkey off the back. Right? Are we going to have that on Friday? Is that staying? I hope so. I mean, they haven't had any prackies, so we haven't seen any line rushes or projected lines or anything. So I think I would imagine they're hitting the ice again on tomorrow, I would think. so. Yeah, tomorrow their break is over. We'll have an indication. And I think people are going to be watching closely, of course, to the defensive pairings to see what we're going to, how they're going to line up. Yeah, tomorrow, Thursday, uh, January 31st, the Leafs are officially off their break. Now, I don't know if that means that they practice. I imagine they would have to practice Lesko because they play Friday. Yeah, and you got a new you got a new defenseman to incorporate, so I, I would imagine that one's not going to be off optional. So. You know, what would be pretty sweet is to hear afterwards that 
you know, the boys are down in fucking Cabo or Bahamas or something like that, Cancun, and Muzzin gets traded, so they fucking fly him out to can- to wherever they are <laughs> to participate in their in their bye week, right? Because it's like you know they're out there having fun, fishing, like water skiing, doing a bunch of fucked up shit, boozing, boozing, yeah. <laughs> And they get the text message probably. And when did it come down? Was it Monday evening? It was Monday evening. So yeah. that's a while. That's yeah. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Like they probably could have been like, yo, Muzzy, fucking get on a flight. Yeah. Well, he was on bye week too, so I'm sure he was up to no good as well. But what you said earlier is a good point. Um, the logistics was great because he can yeah. round up his family. He can get his things together. He's got a couple of days to make the move to Toronto. And really, I don't think it could have happened under under better circumstances coming out of the All-Star break. Yeah, absolutely. You're going to hit us with the fantasy? Yeah, I'll do fantasy here. We're just at, uh, what are we at, 55 minutes. So we were able to rattle off a pretty decent uh, episode. I do apologize for being the reason why we're cutting it a bit short today. But, uh, yeah, i got to deal with this. So, all right, week 17 uh, in Yahoo Fantasy. I only have three notes for you here. Um, That's, of course, next Monday, uh, February 4th to February 10th. The lineup, or, or sorry, not the lineup, the schedule is slowly getting back to normal. Um, if you look at the schedule, you will notice that most teams are playing on the heavy nights, which are Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. Most teams play those nights. Um, but there are two teams that play Monday, Wednesday. Well, one of them plays Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, which is a great schedule. And then the other team is Monday, Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday. So, um, there's some off nights and you're definitely going to be picking up man games, but I'll start off with the team that you might want to get out of. And when I say get out, I'm saying if you've got a guy on this team that you're willing to lose to free agency, then you would want to drop him because they only play two games and it's the Calgary flames. So Calgary plays Thursday, Saturday this week. They're the only team in the NHL that only plays two games. Um, so obviously hopefully you're going to see David Riddick, uh, I, I selfishly I say that because I have David Riddick, but hopefully we're going to see him go uh, Thursday, Saturday. Um, but yeah, if you've got like a Mark Jankowski kind of thing on 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 the lineup, I recently just went on the pod and told everyone to pick up Michael Backlund, uh, but that's just because of the fact that he was super under owned. So if you're noticing that Michael Backlund is still available in your free agency, maybe you might want to wait uh, to pick him up until week 18, which would begin February 11th. So Calgary is the team that you want to get out of. Uh, The teams that you want to jump into are the Rangers and the Leafs. So the Rangers play, man, they've got a great schedule. They go Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, home to LA, home to Boston, home to Carolina, home to Toronto. Four-game homestand at Madison Square Garden. The King, Henrik Lundqvist, coming off uh, a win at the All-Star game when he uh, he won the save yeah, streak. Really good, yeah. He won the played save streak, the games, And he played well in the game. So we're talking about some bottom some bottom teams there in L.A. Uh, and, and Carolina is a bit of a question mark, but L.A. is a terrible team. Uh, you can count a win there for, for King Henrik if you have him in fantasy. Um, but, you know, you might be want to look at some guys like uh, Chris Kreider uh, might be available in your league. Mika Zibanejad probably already spoken for in your respective leagues, but if he's available, any of those guys, Kevin Hayes, um, I'd be jumping all over them. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, Rangers, great schedule. And uh, lastly, the other great schedule is for the Leafs. They go Monday, Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday, and they are home to Anaheim on Monday, home to Ottawa on Wednesday, should be a high-scoring affair, I would I would anticipate <laughs> there. And then the back-to-back weekend games are on the road at Montreal Saturday and at, of course, the Rangers, who I just mentioned, on Sunday. So two home games, two road games, Anaheim, Ottawa, Montreal, Rangers. Probably going to be looking to score a few goals against Anaheim. I'm anticipating a high-scoring affair against the provincial rivals, uh, Ottawa Senators. That game never disappoints. Let's go. Uh, and then followed right up with uh, the Saturday game against the Montreal Canadiens. Another great rivalry there. So some really... Good options, maybe like a Zach Hyman, uh, Kasperi Kapanen, basically anybody, Connor Brown even. Um, you know, a guy like that could chip in um, for, for some of these high-octane games. So Rangers and Leafs, pick them up. Flames, get rid of them. Or new first pairing, Jake Muzzin. I picked him up immediately. <laughs> so so I texted you, and all I texted you, I didn't know if you knew at the time. I'm, I'm sure you did. Yeah. Know, but I knew like 
that was that was early. That was as soon as I knew. All I did was text you Muzzin, right? Yeah. I just texted you Muzzin. I'm sure you either already knew or you were like, what the fuck is this? And then you looked and boom, we had Muzzin. So and about like, five texts. Yeah, you're like, yeah. word up, right? You're all excited about it. And I immediately went to fantasy and fucking picked him up. Out of boy. Immediately. Because I mean, like, he doesn't, he's not like a point getter necessarily. No, but he's had three seasons with over 40 points. He's yes. going to be playing first pairing with Riley. First so. pairing with Riley yeah. and he clapped bombs baby. oh yeah like he claps bombs from the blue line so we're gonna get some we're gonna get some shots and i mean i don't really not to bore you with details but in, in the one league i picked him up excuse me in the one league i picked him up uh penalty minutes yeah if you got hits shots, pims, anything i like don't that. have hits but you know he'll probably he'll probably take a few pims uh, uh, back there so right on yeah so that's it my man i'm done with fantasy i don't know if i'm done with this fucking pod all right. <laughs> well, you're still keeping your insides inside, so that's good. Yeah, sorry, big cough there. Yeah, my insides are staying inside. I'm going to stay inside. It's been a tough one, but I'm uh I'm glad that we were able to uh I'm glad we were able to hammer it out, man. I think Absolutely. we co- covered some good things too. And we got what we needed to say what needed to be said and cover the topics we wanted to cover. There was just too much burning burning inside me. I wasn't letting you off the hook easy. I know, I know. I was what? like, "Come on, we got to grind it out." texted you this afternoon or yeah. yeah whenever i said i don't know man might have to cancel it and give you're the like, people what? what they want we can't cancel there's so much news <laughs> <laughs> um lastly we didn't get to it i don't think i put it down in the prep let's go but i i have to say it are the flyers gonna win 12 straight and get back into it <laughs> such a weird team and you know what it's interesting that they're coming to life because each time we talked about them we kept saying, like, I don't understand why they're this bad. And right. now we're starting to see their personnel pick up their boots a little bit here. And they've got a bit of a, some steady goaltending on oh, Carter Hart. Great goaltending. JVR back and he's potting in some goals. Uh, Drew's doing all right. You know, it's 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 not that surprising because we knew that they were better than what they were showing us. There's still, like, 13 points out, though. I was hearing oh, yeah. earlier today, I was hearing that they're going to have to go, like, 21 and 9. Yeah, it's, I still write them out of the playoffs, yeah, but uh, it's good to see that they're fine in their legs. Don't tell Claude Giroux that. No. All right, so that's it for episode 19. Listen, what's going on next week? Are you on vacay? I'm in fucking Jamaica, man. So we might we might have a, a bit of a special pod. We'll see. I'm going to see if we can get some calls. Anyone out there listening that wants to call me, uh, and and participate in the podcast. Fucking give me a call, and we'll figure that out. We'll let you have a good time down in wherever the fuck you're going. Yeah, you just know if you do call me, I'll be like six to twelve deep. <laughs> All right, we're talking beers, right? Yes, <laughs> or All margaritas, right. or fucking right. pina coladas, whatever. Episode nineteen coming to a wrap. Josh Coleman at Coleman forty two. Adam Lesko at Lesko Adam. Follow us at Puck Pod on Twitter. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you again next week. <laughs>